Okay, we welcome to our continuing study on the book of Romans. And we are in Romans 8, verses 5 through 11 today. And of course, the theme of the book of Romans has been God's great plan for salvation for all of mankind. That includes Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, people of all culture. And that includes what we normally think of when we think of salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life. But we're also seeing that God's plan of salvation also includes having Jesus live in our life. Uh, You know, reigning in grace, victorious living, and being free from sin and the patterns of sin. And all that is a result of what Jesus did at the cross. So last week we looked at Romans 8, 1 through 4, and it starts off, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think that's a key part. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Another way of putting it, God is for us. He's not out to get us. And sadly, that's the way a lot of Christians still think of God. That he's out to get us. He's just waiting for us to make a mistake and then he's going to clobber us. And we talked about last week that that's not true at all. In fact, we talked, one of the things we talked a lot about was the difference between conviction and condemnation. And that was a very important message for us to understand, for us to really be able to understand the rest of Romans 8. And so I just encourage you, if you've not listened to it, you know, please do so. I think it'll be very helpful. Uh, another thing we saw in last week, verse 4, it says, So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now we've been introduced to another aspect of, of uh, what Romans is talking about, and that is a call to walk in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. In fact, we, 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 we see this quite a bit. Romans is a, a book of contrast. You know, we also saw condemnation or conviction, walking according to the spirit or walking according to the flesh. And of course the flesh means we're walking in our own strength, our own abilities, our own uh, wisdom. And it always, even if we have good intentions, it always results in failure. And slipping back into patterns and the bondage of sin. In other words, we may have good intentions, but we and ourselves cannot do it. We need the Spirit of God to do it through us. Galatians 5 is a great parallel passage that I'd just like to read before we kind of go further into uh, Romans 8. Because it talks about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. So verse 19, Galatians 5. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, and notice right, it says that the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
On the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit, and notice with the Spirit, it's fruit. With the flesh, it's what? Deeds. Very important distinction. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, so the deeds of the flesh or the works of the flesh, they lead us to where we don't want to go. Dissensions, envying, things that, you know, that our heart tells us, especially if we've given our life to the Lord, uh, tell it, we don't want to go that way, but we just sort of gravitate that way. But the fruit of the Spirit is something different. And it's the result of walking according to the Spirit. So let's look at Romans 8, 5 through 11. And let me kind of read it and then we'll uh, go through it. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We've kind of said that over and over, but it says it really clear there, doesn't it? However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, but the body is dead because of sin, Yet the spirit is live because of righteousness. But if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Okay. So in this passage, we're again, we're kind of, it's sort of a follow-up of what we introduced last time, walking according to the spirit, Versus walking according to the spirit and walking according to the spirit happens. How? As we set our minds on the things of the spirit. What are examples of that? Well, godliness, Christ likeness, serving others, a copy love, being thankful, rejoicing. And it says the result of setting our minds on the things of the spirit Walking according to the Spirit is life and peace. And again, that life is that Zoe life, that abundance, overflowing life that God offers to us. Only comes through Jesus. And then it says peace, you know, calmness, a rest within our souls. And really, if you think about it, life and peace, especially Zoe life and God's peace, are what everyone wants. In every generation, in every culture. And it's a result only of what? Setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. In contrast to that, it says, it's when it's talking about according, walking according to the flesh, it says, setting our minds on the things of the flesh. And what are examples of things of the flesh? Complaining, grumbling, gossip, having a critical spirit, jealousy. Self-focus. I mean, a lot of other things, you know. But the result of that, it says in verse 6, what? Death. It's a spiritual death, a restlessness, 
even a torment in our souls, anxiety, fear, that all comes, guilty feelings, it all comes from walking according to the flesh, which happens when we set our minds on the things of the flesh. Is there an in-between position? No, not really. And I know that in 21st century America and in the West, we, we always like to see things in relation to one another. Everything's kind of on a spectrum. But many spiritual things are not that way. If we're not walking according to the Spirit, then we are walking according to the flesh. Now, this requires setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. And that does not come naturally for us, does it? In fact, a retraining of our mind is necessary for us to start setting our things on the mind, on setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. Because let's face it, sometimes we have a heart for God, but our minds don't follow. We easily get distracted. Our minds need to be retrained, renewed, maybe an overhaul. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is a which is your spiritual service of worship. Very similar to what we were saying in Romans 6 about presenting ourselves to him. And then verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to the world. That's another way of saying the things of the flesh. And our uh, mind is usually bent that way. In fact, literally, my understanding is that it's when it says, do not be conformed to this world, it means our mind's being squeezed into a mold. And uh, But here we're told, let it be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And... Uh, the renewing of our mind always leads to being transformed, transformation. Now, how does that happen? It's God's word. As we bathe ourselves, as we immerse ourselves in God's word, that retraining of the mind, that renewing of the mind begins to take place. And yes, it means that we're setting our mind on the things of the spirit. Colossians. Uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And in verse 2, I like especially, it says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So again, it's talking about where we set our minds. For you've died and you're Life is hidden with Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And then it goes on about considering the members of your earthly body as being dead to immorality, impurity, passion, and all that, you know. So, again, it's where we set our minds. Matthew 16 
verse 23. I think is uh, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter. And Peter, um, well, Jesus is actually talking about how he's got to, uh, you know, he's going to, um, uh, let me see, Matthew 16, 23. And, uh, that, you know, he's going to have to suffer many things. He's going to be killed and he's going to be raised on the third day. And what does Peter say? He gets him aside and says, no, you know, that, that, that's not going to happen. You know, we're not going to let it happen, master. And, uh, and verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Rather strong words. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's interest. Again, it's where we set our minds. And that is something that we choose to do. Philippians 3, verse 19. And actually, if you start looking at verse 18, it's talking about those who are Enemies of the cross. And then verse 19, it says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who what? Who set their minds on earthly things. They're considered enemies of the cross. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Or literally it means set your mind on these things. So we see this over and over and over. By the way, that's a good description of what it means to walk in the spirit. Those who set their minds on the things of the spirit. You know, it says dwell on these things. Now, you might say, well, I mean, that changes. To do that, I had to kind of change my mind completely. Well, maybe that's what we, maybe that's what needs to happen. And it's not going to happen immediately. But that is our calling, is to where we are, as it says in Philippians 4, 8, we set our minds on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely, of good repute, things of excellence, the things of God. That's how we walk in the spirit, setting our minds on the things of the spirit. The choice is ours. And by the way, there's always grace to do everything that God calls us to do. And this is, this is obviously something that God wants us to do. There's grace for it. And this is a big step in walking in the spirit is learning to set our minds on the things of God. Let's look at one more here. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through five. And let me just read this. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we've been talking about that. We do not war according to the flesh. Yeah, we're trapped in our fleshly bodies, but we're not going to let that be where we choose to, we, we don't battle in the flesh. We don't war According to the flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're talking and we're taking every thought captive 
to the obedience of Christ. So what is he talking about this? And you can kind of study this a little bit later. And this is full of a lot of truth, but there are, there are uh, fortresses in our minds that need to be destroyed. And, uh, and the only way we do that is through the spirit. We can't take these fortresses down in the flesh. These fortresses, I like to think of them as patterns of thinking. There could be unforgiveness. It could be hurts, wounds, memories, offenses. It could be certain attitudes that we have. It could be pride. It could be a lot of things. But these are fortresses that need to be brought down in our thinking. So we must be forming new patterns of thinking and getting rid of the old patterns of these fortresses. So it's not just the case of getting rid of negative things. It's filling our minds with the things of God. Because we all know that it doesn't work just to talk about what we shouldn't do. You know, we can kind of, you know, I can tell you right now, don't think about what you're going to have for lunch today. And if I keep telling you that, what are you going to do? You just kind of think about what I'm going to have at lunch. There's just something about us. And so likewise, when you tell a child, don't do this, don't do that. What are they going to do? They're going to kind of, kind of gravitate that way, aren't they? So you had, it's not, Christianity is not just getting rid of bad things. I know a lot of people think of it that way. It's rules and regulations of what you can't do. Rather, we need to start seeing it is what I fill my life with, what I fill my mind with, you know, what occupies my mind in idle times. You know, Philippians 4, 8 needs to be our God. How do we respond? Okay, every when I respond to um, pressure or stress or criticism, I respond like Jesus. You know, I try to have the attitudes of Jesus. This is beginning to walk in the spirit. Now, protecting our minds is essential. What goes into our mind takes much more thought, time, or let me say that I didn't say that right. What goes into our mind does not take a lot of thought. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of discipline. I'm talking about what we see, what we watch, what we listen to, even conversations. Getting things out of our mind can be much harder. Let me say that again. What goes into our minds doesn't take much thought, time, and discipline. Getting things out of our mind is much, much harder. So we've got to learn to protect our minds from all these outside influences. And we want to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. We've got to be aggressive about this, brothers and sisters. We have to be radical. And remember, walking in the Spirit brings what? Life, Zoe life and peace. Rest for our souls. And if we continue to set our minds on the things of the flesh, what does it say? Well, verses 7 and 8 says, that produces hostility toward God. And those in the flesh cannot please God. Now, let's look at verse 9 through 11, because I think this is very, very, this is the big key here. Um, 9 through 11, let me just read it again. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So 
The big key is that the Spirit now lives inside of us. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, he is. Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it's true, he will also give life to your mortal body through the spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. You know, we can ask ourselves, you know, setting our minds on the things of the spirit. How does that ever week work? I'm too weak. Here's the answer. The spirit of God dwells in you. See, when we come to know the Lord, when we receive the gift of justification, when we become truly born again and are regenerated, supernatural things begin to happen. A lot of things. One of those things is that God's spirit comes to live inside of me. And like Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16 gives his disciples one last teaching. And he says a lot about the Holy Spirit. Basically, he says, I know I'm going to be leaving. They didn't want to hear that. But don't worry, I'm going to leave a helper with you. And that helper referred was he was referring to the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and says what the purpose of this helper is. He's to guide us. He's to convict us. He's to lead us in all truth. He's to comfort us. He's to intercede for us. In general, he's going to be with us, giving us all the strength and wisdom, just as if Jesus was walking with us side by side. And in this way, he could be with every one of them all the time. What a gift. Because think about it. When Jesus was here in the flesh, he couldn't be with these two disciples and maybe a disciple that was in Jerusalem at the same time, especially if those two were in Galilee. He just lim- he was limited by the flesh. Now Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can be with all of us. And not just be with us, actually live inside of us. And in Ephesians, we're told that the Spirit is actually a seal that we belong to him and proof of the inheritance that he set aside for us in a later age. See, by our own strength in the flesh, we will never please God. We'll never be able to live like he's called us to. However, because the spirit of God lives in us, it's now possible. In fact, verse 11 says it, Really clear, the same spirit that rose Jesus, that, that, that uh, brought Jesus up from the dead. That's a pretty strong Holy Spirit, isn't it? That same spirit is in every one of us. And that spirit, it says, will bring life to our mortal bodies. It will give us everything we need. It will help us to live the Christian life. And we will be able to live like he's called us. That's powerful. Therefore, we must learn. It's essential that we learn to walk and live in the Spirit. We do this, how? By setting our minds on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of the flesh. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us, so it is possible. Yes, it takes some time to retrain our minds, to renew our minds, but it's something we have to do And as we said a few minutes ago, there is grace for that.
This is walking in the Spirit. Let's uh, read again Galatians 5. Because I think this is, it kind of says it so well. Galatians 5. This time let's start with verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, this sounds kind of easy, doesn't it? For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, we talked about these before, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. And he says things like this because he, just, he could keep going on and on. Of which I forewarn you as just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. On the other hand, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things we've got to keep our minds on. These things. And yes, it is possible. It's only possible is we let God's spirit inside of us begin to fill our life and he will show us and he will teach us how to set our minds on the things of the spirit. 